Prologue. Summer of 2010, age 55. Robert sat down on the sofa in the living room, nurturing his third or fourth cup of coffee, dressed but not quite ready to leave for his valet job at the airport. He wore his usual black slacks and yellow polo shirt with the logo of the valet company printed across the left breast, the only other uniform he ever wore besides prison jumpers. It was June, but it was way too hot, even compared to Texas standards. Just the thought of working in the summer heat, running after cars and dealing with terse, non-tipping customers drained him. He stared at his cup for a while, thinking about all that weighed on his mind. Lots of bills and not enough money to pay them. Packing a lunch, letting the dogs out, mundane exercises meant to maintain the appearance of a normal life. Normal. The thought bordered on incredulous. It sent him back to a time when he was about six years old, and it was Christmas. All the family on his mother's side gathered at his Aunt Rosie's house for the big dinner and festivities. The kids were running around the house, getting yelled at when something crashed or someone got hurt. The women were in the kitchen cooking fish, shrimp and pasta. Pies and cakes waited patiently on a side table. The men gathered around his grandfather in the living room, drinking various libations and telling jokes, grabbing at the kids as they ran by. Uncle Barry was blinding everyone with the light from his 8mm video camera as he recorded the event. Later on, Santa Claus came with a bag of presents and handed them out to everyone. There was dancing and lots of drinking. The pleasantness of his early childhood was a dream, an ideal normal for a child, but it wouldn't last for long. Shortly, Robert began a migration to a very dark place where eventually normal included pounding on a guy's face until he was unconscious or shooting a friend in the head because he thought he was stealing from him. Normal was extinguishing portions of his memory by binging on drugs for days at a time or gambling away thousands of dollars that weren't even his. Distrust, paranoia, hatred, arrogance, greed, deviance, womanizing, addiction. These were some of the elements that represented his, quote, normal for a long time. Who was that guy? He's dead, Robert reminded himself. Shaking the th thoughts of his past, he returned his focus to what was really pressing him at the time, what he had been avoiding, glaring at him from across the room, the open package sitting next to the TV. His feelings toward the package were bittersweet. He knew its contents were precious, but his memory chose to punish him by hovering above the shadowy realm that used to be his world, forcing him to look into his past and seeing the many times and many ways he had messed up. Unworthiness laced with remorse overwhelmed him, and he sat the open package next to the TV. It was now two days later, his feelings were the same, and he doubted they were on the verge of changing soon. No more stalling. He sat his coffee down, went over to the bulky manila envelope, and removed its contents. In his hand were three DVDs. He slipped the first disc into the DVD player and eased into the sofa again, holding his coffee in both hands. After a few seconds, the screen popped up on the TV, and he used the remote to choose the first selection. As Maurice Chevalier began to sing, Thank Heaven for Little Girls, photos of his daughter Brianna flashed across the TV screen. He looked into the big brown eyes of the precious child, watching as she grew up frame by frame.
By the time he got to the end of the DVD, his stomach was in knots as he realized the many images of his daughter transforming into a young lady didn't include a single picture of him. While he watched the slideshows on the first two discs, he recalled his daughter as a baby, just seven weeks old. He had an argument with her mom. He couldn't even remember what the argument was about. It could have been his drug or alcohol abuse, or the lack of having an active role in his new daughter's life. Whatever the reason, he chose to walk away instead of staying and working things out. Within an hour or so, he was high on crack, and his role as an absentee father began. Several years later, he had a conversation with her, a conversation played in his head 10,000 times since then. He was locked up at Rikers Island at the time, awaiting trial for crimes that could put him behind bars for a very long time. His daughter wasn't old enough to realize how bad of a father he was. He had done nothing to protect her or provide for her or any of those things a good father does. As her fourth birthday neared, Robert called her. During the conversation, Robert could hear the distress in her voice. It wasn't long before she started crying. What's wrong, sweetheart? Robert asked. She sobbed for a moment without saying anything. Then she finally settled down enough to speak. Daddy, why don't you come see me? Her words were torpedoes, slamming into his heart and sinking it into the dark depths of shame. He wanted to respond, but how could he? How was he to explain the sequence of selfish decisions that drove him further away from her and landed him in a place where he no longer had the ability to see her at will? Now, after years in prison and hiding out as a government witness, he watched all the special moments in her life he missed out on. There was the picture of her holding an Elmo book on the set of Sesame Street, one where she's wearing a Dalmatian puppy costume and doesn't seem to be too happy about it. Another one where she's waiting to take communion for the first time, dressed in a white dress, looking like a miniature bride. Several photos with father figures and a bunch with friends he never met and boyfriends he never got to shake down. As each photo flipped to the next, his choices in the early part of his daughter's life haunted him while her little voice bounced around in his head. Daddy, why don't you come see me? The third DVD was a video of her sweet 16 party. It was held at Villa Russo, an upscale restaurant in Queens. Brianna arrives at the restaurant in a limousine, wearing an elegant pink gown and tiara. Inside the restaurant, she, family, and friends are dancing, eating, and drinking. Near the end of the video, Brianna, gracefully basking in the attention, lights 17 candles, 16 of them representing the important persons in her life, while the 17th was in memoriam for those she loved who had died. She starts the dedication by lighting candle number one with her mother Lauren, the one person who had always been there for her. She dedicates the second candle to her aunt. The third goes to a boy she said is like a little brother to her. One by one, she dedicates candles to relatives and friends, both living and deceased. Robert never expected one of those candles to be dedicated to him, but he held on to a little bit of hope that she might mention him, or at least his mother. For whatever reason, fear of someone making a connection between the two of them, or just the sobering fact that she had no emotional attachment to him, his name never came up, 
He was crushed, knowing he was getting what he deserved. Robert pressed the power-off button on the remote and sat his empty coffee cup on the table. For the next 15 minutes, he cried nonstop tears of regret and anger. Not a single one belonged to him. They were all shed for his daughter, a belated birthday gift. His hope was for a fresh start with his beautiful girl, who deserved to have the very best a father could give, but he knew that was impossible. No, it had to start exactly where it was, with no roots, in the shadow of the ugliness and pain, fighting to prove he is more than the less-than-stellar reputation preceding him. As was his habit for the last twelve years, he bowed his head and referenced the source of his strength. Father God, protect her. Help me restore the relationship with her like you did with me. Show me once again that it's never too late. Robert wiped his face with the back of his hand and walked the coffee cup to the sink where he rinsed it out. He grabbed his car keys off of the kitchen countertop and left for his job parking cars in the searing Texas summer heat.